Welcome to this Purdue Engineering podcast, featuring research that addresses critical issues related to societal resilience in the face of crises and efforts to engineer long-term solutions for a more robust future. My name is Shruti Suresh, and I am a PhD candidate in the Weldon School of Biomedical Engineering, known as BME at Purdue. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Elsha Pinar, an assistant professor in biomedical engineering, and learn more about her work with host pathogen interactions. Welcome, Professor Pinar. Can you tell us a little more about yourself and the work that led you to Purdue? Sure. I have been at Purdue for about three years. I started in 2017. I build computational models and simulations of infectious diseases, but not the epidemiology models that you might think about. We simulate the cells and the bacteria and the viruses, so all the stuff that's happening inside your body when you're infected. And I came to this kind of from a mixture of mathematics and engineering and microbiology. Okay, that is pretty amazing. Your research actually involves developing sophisticated computational models of system pharmacology uh, that can predict the effectiveness of drugs in a patient. Can you tell us why modeling is important and how does it ultimately benefit patients? In terms of why modeling or where modeling is helpful, the microbiologists and the, and the biological researchers are discovering a lot of very complex pathways and systems of interactions and multiple different cell types that interact to do things, but it's very complex and all of the mechanisms interact with each other and there's feedback loops and regulatory mechanisms and it's all very complicated and it's hard for our human brains to really look at that whole entire system. Computers and equations are really good at doing just that. So the computational and the mathematical models are good because they can take all these bits and pieces of information that people have discovered using very rigorous experiments and analyses, and we can say, well, if all of these things are true and we put it all together in one system, what effect does it have? And then the other side of that coin is that if we have a computer model or an equation model, we can very specifically perturb things in a very focused way that's also sometimes difficult to do in biology. So those are the things that the computational models are, are good for. And then in terms of impacting patients, if we are better able to understand a disease, a mechanism, it's easier to identify potential drug targets. And then one side of my work is also designing treatment regimens. So for example, in tuberculosis, there's a slew of different antibiotics that you could prescribe in an infinite number of combinations and doses and treatment frequencies. And those things are really difficult to really screen systematically in clinical trials for obvious reasons. It's expensive, it takes lots of patients, and it's not it's just not feasible. So the computational models, if you can build them and train them on the data that you do have, you can very quickly run through all of those different scenarios and say, here's the three regimens that look like they might work best. Now take those three into clinical trials. And so it might help accelerate kind of those treatment design aspects. That sounds amazing. That's, that's pretty helpful in general, right? Like, so to have an, a robust model that can basically help speed up the process of development of a drug or even like the recommendation of a treatment. That sounds pretty cool. So you touched upon how modeling accelerates drug development. Can you give us an example of such a situation or have you ever done any research which kind of targets that? So when I was a postdoc, I worked on tuberculosis. And one project that we did there is we were looking at the use of different fluoroquinolones. And fluoroquinolones is a class of antibiotic. And there's lots of different drugs within this class that are related. And they work similarly, but they're not equal. And so we wanted to know if these three drugs in this class would be equivalent if you prescribe them. 
And so we used a lot of data from animal models and in vitro models and integrated all that data into our simulations and predicted that moxifloxacin, which is one of these drugs, would be better than the other two. And then our collaborators who work on animal models of TB was able to go and test these three drugs and were able to confirm our predictions. And so that kind of highlights the importance of having these experimental feedbacks between the model and then you go and test it and then you find out new things, and then you go back and improve your model, and this feedback loop makes kind of the modeling and the experiments better and can kind of move the process forward faster. Oh, that's fantastic. Given the current pandemic we're living through, how does your research contribute to our understanding of COVID-19 and other infectious diseases? So since my work is mostly focused at the single host level, so kind of looking at the host and host pathogen interactions and immune responses, I've been working with a group out of IU Bloomington who has put together this massive consortium of experts who work on different types of modeling and immunology and virology, and they're all kind of working together in this goal of building a simulation that's accurate in terms of representing COVID or SARS-CoV-2 replication and immune responses. And it's been really great being involved in that project because you can see how everybody's work kind of complements each other. And instead of just kind of each working in our own little sandbox, we can kind of drive this thing forward again faster and, and kind of in a collaborative way. So that's been great. Speaking of collaboration, one of my favorite parts about working at the Weldon School of Biomedical Engineering is the collaboration that we have with clinical partners and industrial partners. How is the Weldon School uniquely positioned for you to do your research? So I'll definitely agree on the collaborative part. Um, in the department, it's been really great. There's several different labs that also do computational work. And so it's, it's great for us to kind of exchange ideas and methodologies. And um, I would also say across campus, it's been really wel welcoming. And um, I've built some really good collaborations across different departments and, and colleges. So that's been really great. Um, and then, from my perspective, since I'm all computational, um, there's just incredible computational resources and staff support for those resources at Purdue, which has been really great. We have a big data science initiative going on at Purdue. How does your research tie into that? So that's a good question. My research is not really the big data type work. We kind of, I think about our work as being bottom up work. So we look at the individual mechanisms and we built this model up from the ground and then we make some predictions. Whereas the data science, at least in my head, is kind of a top down as you have all this data and then you try to make sense of it. I do think that the two approaches can be really complementary to each other. So for my modeling, I need a lot of detailed information about how certain uh, proteins interact with each other and, and how a network is structured and how it functions. And I can't make sense of that, but the data science can. And so a data science uh, approach might help identify important interactions. And then my lab will know to go and look at those interactions and really dig into those mechanisms and we can add them into our model. So there's this sort of feedback that could go back and forth. And I'm actually just right now in a graduate class where we're talking about how to integrate these data science and mechanistic modeling approaches. and. There's an infinite number of ways in which you can combine them and use them to complement each other. So it's kind of a new and exciting part of this research to figure out how can we use all of these new and exciting tools to, to complement what we're already doing. Modeling takes a lot of time and it's quite iterative. What do you define success in the field of modeling? So iterative is right. And models are never, ever done. And models are never gonna be complete either. If our goal is to create a model that has every single aspect of the biology in it, then you're setting yourself up for failure. So in my mind, success is when we can make testable predictions and when those predictions can bring real 
impact and decisions for patients. So as I mentioned before, if we can make predictions that help accelerate uh, preclinical trials in terms of selecting drugs or doses or drug targets. And so if we can see some sort of acceleration in the process or some increase in the hit rate for the number of leads that go into this pipeline, if we can get a higher hit rate on the other end, um, then I would say that our models are successful because they're increasing our chances of success in the broader sense. What is the most exciting part about your research and what keeps you interested in this work? So that kind of relates back to what we talked about earlier. I like that the models can kind of make sense of these complex systems. And I like that you can be surprised by these counterintuitive results. So you might think you understand a system, but when you put these more complex puzzle pieces together, you sometimes see things that you wouldn't expect or certain mechanisms have impacts that you don't, don't expect. And I, I really like that part of it. That sounds great. What advice would you share with potential undergraduate and graduate students who might be interested in working in your area of research? So since I kind of have one foot in the computational side and one foot in the biology, people come to it from many different paths. And so, for example, I came out of the mathematics and computational side via engineering and microbiology to get where I am. But lots of people come out of biology and then get interested in the computational side. And so lots of people kind of come to it in their own path. So don't think that because you're on the biology path, you can't make a switch. You absolutely can. And then if there's someone who does the work that you really want to do, go and talk to them. Or if they're intimidating, go and talk to their graduate students or go to their talks. Or most of us really love to talk about what we do. So just ask. Thank you, Professor Pinar, for your time and discussing your exciting research with us. Be sure to listen to our other Purdue Engineering podcasts featuring Weldon School of Biomedical Engineering faculty and see the show notes on the podcast website for additional information about biomedical engineering at Purdue.